cool. All right, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We got another special guest. Tony's going to introduce him. This is Silas Norris. He's most known for being one of the owners of MBN Properties. They do a lot of higher-end builds um, in the Angola area, right? Oh, all over. All, all, all over uh, the place. East, That's kind of like where you guys were centralized before, but northeast, um, yeah. everywhere. They build houses uh, here in northeast Indiana. Um, they also have some rental properties. We're going to talk about how he got started uh, buying and flipping properties, um, owns, owns some of these corporations with family members, so we're going to get into that a little bit, uh, but this is Silas Norris. Bam. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Dude, I didn't know you you were with Wired Properties. What is that? Do you have any uh no, what, what kind of research did you do? <laughs> <laughs> are those all the entities that I have? Yeah, yeah. I I do some I do oh, as much funny. I was gonna ask him about that too. Oh, I think okay. I think they named it after Drew yeah, as yeah. like kind oh. of a joke. So you guys are good at naming stuff and at having like an inside kind of like Yeah. So did you find the... Shroot Farms on there anywhere? No. We had Shroot Farms LLC. I was proud of that one. Did you guys watch The Office? Yep. Yeah. It was like, okay. But did did it get shut down? Uh, no, that I think that dissolved. In fact, most of those have probably been dissolved. That's why it's surprising uh, to me that you found them. I don't think we don't have a wired. I don't know what else you got, but wired one, wired two, wired three, two elk. Not sure what that is either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He probably he's like. Oh, so that's, what we used to do when we flip a house, so we had investors and like Drew Wired, right? Mm -hmm. One of our investors, and we would form an, a joint LLC. So it would be jointly owned between MBN and him, and it was you know wired wired properties. I believe that's the way it worked. It's been several yeah. years, so we had that LLC, and we used to like because it was advice from attorneys and stuff, which I think you got to be careful with advice from attorneys because you can end up spending yourself, and it's you know so much money that now you can't start a business because you've spent all this money on contracts and legal advice. But um, that's kind of a different topic, but. We would, um, at one point we were told with our flips, we should like, everyone should be in its own separate entity, which wow. once we started scaling, it, it, that wasn't practical. So we've, we've probably had 30 different entities over the last 10 years. That's um, awesome. Most of which now down to just three or four, just different businesses that have their own. That's funny because we, we're buying this uh, big uh, brick building and our, one of our friends, Jordan Wildman, he buys a bunch of brick buildings. So we we're going to like name it better than uh, Jordan's better brick. Better than Wildman or... <laughs> yeah, there better than Jordan's brick building LLC yeah. or something like yeah. that and just buy it under that. Like we're just going to do it. It's just funny that you guys do that because, you know, do you know what MBN stands for? Must be nice. We wanted you to say Okay, that. sorry. Yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a joke. And it has nothing. What's funny about that is MBN stands for must be nice. And it has nothing to do with almost anything other than the fact that we used to talk in acronyms when acronyms were more popular. And me and my you know colleagues at work, oh, you're going on vacation, MBN. Or, you know, MNBN must not be nice. You know, mm. we just talked that way. And when we made our entity that was going to be for house flipping, we never thought, we thought that'd be like a side business. We were going to be real estate agents and we'd flip a few houses here and there. But that at the time when we left our jobs in 2012, the flipping market was just insane. And so that quickly became like our main, our main gig. And we're like, okay, now we're like at a point where we need to get signs. We need to have like, you know, a Facebook page. We need to have a website. Like, do we, do we change the name? And it's funny. This kind of shows you like generationally, like one, I think I told you guys already before we started, I don't like to follow rules, but it's also um, uh, probably because we're millennials, we get bored easily and we like to defy authority. But um, it's, it's funny, I had a, someone I really trust and still respect to this day, a very successful family member, he came to me and he said, hey, the most important thing you guys are going to do now that you've left your jobs is come up with a name for your company. It's the most important thing. It matters so much. I mean, I went on like a five minute spiel and I'm kind of like, 
I agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna stick with MPS. That's hilarious because our so, so our business coach Ryan Pineda said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, "You guys need to rebrand because we had already branded as LTD, and the logo was so cool. Yeah, like we spent so we I mean we spent a hundred bucks, and I got a hold of an old friend who was a graphic designer, and Dakota was like, "I want it to look sleek. I want it to have the letters like this. I want it to like look a certain way." We got that, and we started sending out mailers, and we did the Google My Business yeah. page, and we built up this brand around LTD and like a year and a half into it he's like yeah I think you guys should be like Fort Wayne home buyers which makes more sense yeah or like you know you Some guys should be name. yeah, yeah so, something like like that feels home mm-hmm. like you know cash offer or something like that and we were like yeah we're already too far into this like, yeah what yeah. other what other advice you got for us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously though right, but that's right. hilarious dude that you got the same advice so that was when you just started MBN yeah or? right before we started I don't even know if we had the entity but you know we had that meeting with with one of my family members and he had just strongly advised I think he even gave some suggestions so he felt really strongly that we need to have a good strong name and um, yeah, dis- we disagreed with that. So <laughs> all four of you, or just you? <laughs> oh, all four of us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and so. MBN doesn't sound. I mean, people don't. I mean, they assume it's like our initials right. or something. So I mean, in my, I would argue that it does still sound. Dude, it's not a complete joke. The but. other funny thing is that kind of sucks about both our name LTD and MBN is when you're on like uh, whenever you're calling the utility oh. or something, MBN. That's M is in Mary. Oh yeah, that's the, every time. Mike is in, yeah. Yeah, I yep. said Mike, Brian, Nancy. Yep. I don't. You actually say must be nice because then people. What is that? What it means? Actually, it is. But yep. yeah, you have to get in, get into the whole story. But yeah, yeah. So MBN. So, let's go back a little bit before we talk about um, where you got how you guys got started. Um, when we were, I was asking you where you're from because I thought maybe you were from a villa originally, mm-hmm. and then you said that you kind of grew up in Russia for a oh, little bit of your yep. childhood. So talk about that. Like, what yeah. was it like growing up? What was going on that you were in Russia? How did you grow up? And then, you know, did you go to college? Did you go straight into being a realtor? What did everything look like? Just just how do, how were you raised? Yeah, so I think I was five or six. My dad was in real estate. I come from a long lineage of real estate developers, builders. I think I'm fourth generation. And oh. I did some math. and I'm like, I think prior to fourth generations ago, if you wanted to build a house, there were no builders. You just built it. So my lineage, I think, goes all the way up in that kind of new construction. But when I was five or six, my dad and mom... Um, decided they wanted to be missionaries. My dad kind of felt the call to the mission field. And so we moved to Volgograd, Russia, which is like 600 miles south of Moscow, which is crazy to think about. I have three kids now at at the same age that my kids are now. My parents had four um, and moved all of us, you know, sold the real estate business and moved overseas, which is a a crazy calling. And, um, but yeah, it worked out for my family. And so I spent from age six to maybe, I think I was like 13 or 14 when we moved back. So seven or eight years. Um, um, in Russia, so that's a big part of my childhood memories are those are those years. And do you know Russian now? I do speak Russian. Wow, yeah. mm-hmm. that's crazy! I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Russia takes over, if they do what they're maybe about to do, <laughs> you're uh, good, yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've always said Russian doesn't come in very useful, but maybe maybe it will. You know, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> Have you seen that's salt? a World War Three joke? But <laughs> Have you seen Salt? Um, Man, it sounds familiar. But okay, that's Angelina Jolie. She's a Russian spy, so. Did it come out when I was, I missed so many things that people think, oh, you used to watch that show, right? And I'm like, between age, I have to remind people, like, I was in Russia during those years. <laughs> yeah, no, so, it's like 2010, okay. 12, somewhere around there, but mm, was, you, could be like, you could be like a Russian spy or something uh, like that. I don't know that I speak it. I used to speak it, like, pretty dang good. You do lose some of it. Like, I could still live there, go shopping. You want me to have a deep political conversation? 
Uh, I mean, I can barely do that in English, but, you know, but, <laughs> right. yeah, I would struggle. Wow. Yeah. So uh, did did you end up going to college? I didn't. Um, not a huge fan of college for the most mm-hmm. part, um, but I, I, I couldn't get into college. I was the bottom 5 or 10% of my class in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, just didn't have any interest in it. Um, it's, I would say the school failed me, but I failed it just as much. I just didn't care about school. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew it had nothing to do with geometry. Um, <laughs> so people can say, oh, you were dumb. Well, I think I was smart enough to know what I wasn't going to do that. Um, right. Whatever. However, you figure out the you know amount of volume in a cylinder, I, not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just didn't interest me. And I've learned that I actually love education and I love to learn, but maybe it's selfish, but I only love to learn what I am interested in. If I'm interested in something, you'd ask my wife. She's like, man, you're on YouTube watching every single thing you could possibly learn about it. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like obsessed with it. Like literally it's a problem. But like I'm, if I'm interested in it, if I'm not, uh, I'm going to let somebody else do that. So yep. So yeah, I couldn't get into couldn't get into uh, um, college. I, th- I t- ended up taking some courses. So I guess I arguably could at Ivy Tech because I think anybody can get in there. But I had a I joke and I tell people I had a three point eight percent, you know, I had three point eight GPA, which is true, but it was out of twelve at Leo at the time. So, <laughs> you know, but which is funny because I married my high school sweetheart and she was second or third in our class. Wow. So she was I was a good salesman maybe, but. Um, I think she thought my grades were better than they were. <laughs> I don't think they she thought, knew. She he, didn't know it was bottom 10%. But. Did you, so did you get in uh, a lot of trouble in high school? I know you said that you didn't really like to listen to people. And then, like, usually whenever you don't do work, people get upset about that. I think my problem was that I was homeschooled. And oh, I would okay. argue underschooled um, for many years. Um, but I didn't get in, I wasn't a troublemaker. Um, I would say I started to become one when, like, my senior year when you start to feel a little bit more freedom or... I don't know why, but I, I started minor stuff. I didn't get kicked out of school or anything like that. But, wow. um, yeah, so I had good parents. Um, I don't know where I'd be today because I've made a lot of mistakes in life. But, I mean, I've had good parents. So, Gotcha. And then what about your siblings? So you have uh, – are they all brothers? So I had a sister pass away when I was in high school. Wow. It didn't happen shortly after we got back from Russia. She got hit by a car, you know, where Deer Track Golf Course is. Um, it's right off Taco Road. Oh, okay, yep. She got hit right on Taco Road, um, just south of Auburn. And then, then um, I have two brothers. My younger brother's the worship pastor at Pathway Church. Yep. And my older brother's my bu- one of my business partners. Wow. Um, works with me in real estate. So That's awesome. There was four of us, crazy, all one year apart in October. You start thinking about that, like that's, my mom was pregnant for pretty much four years straight so wow <laughs> pretty crazy that's crazy yeah did you get along with your siblings pretty well yeah uh, we still get along well to this day and we all have kids at similar ages which creates a lot of chaos because we're outnumbered but um yeah still close to this day and close growing up what does the business look like because i know a lot of people are like don't do business with family that's like my grandpa's mm-hmm. number one advice when i was asking him like what, what what's some life advice you would give me and before it was you know more like yeah. you know love your family do this do that mm-hmm. one one time he was just in a bad mood and he was like never do business with family <laughs> what do you have to people uh that say that like what's what's your like obviously you did so it worked out okay yeah and then what do your roles look like in the company so i would say that there's some truth to that um you know family can uh, boy i don't know how much i want to get into it but we i've done d- business with family that has not gone well and i've done business with family that has um the only 
long-term person I've done business with is my brother. And, you know, we both are, you know, there's four partners and we're really pretty evenly divided in our skill sets, which I think just was a blessing that we didn't anticipate when we started our company. A lot of it was out of just money. Like, oh, you've got 20 grand and you've got 20 grand. <laughs> Turns out I do that, you know, we can have an equal partnership and we can, we can make this work and we can go buy a house. And so that was really, I would say that's how the partnership started. But what I didn't know, and this was one of those like secret blessings that I didn't think was going to happen, but like, we all have very different skill sets and the good news, I think, and it's taken us some maturity. It's taken us four or five years. There was a lot more arguments early on. Um, and, and that was one of the things that a lot of banks told us like, Hey, we like you guys, you're doing good. We want to loan to you, but you know, it's almost like a band when there's four of you, right? Bands don't work out long-term, like they're, you're going to break up. Um, especially that the fact that there's four of you. And so I always remember telling my partners like, Hey, there's four of us. The banks have like several banks have brought it up to me that it's a concern of theirs. So we need to be mindful of that now that, I mean, they're not concerned for no reason. I mean, they've probably right. been down this road. So. I think we've done a really good job at like, listen, like if it's construction with subs and stuff, like that's Jonathan and Nate, my brother Nate and my partner Jonathan, that's their department. And honestly, even though we're equal partners, like their, their say so trumps mine. Um, I'm on the sales side with John um, and, and I have some liberties to make some decisions that, you know, they will keep their mouth shut, you know, because, you know, that's my department. Mm -hmm. So we've done a good job at dividing it up and I would say, our, our relationship now is, I mean, they truly are some of my best friends and stuff, but I mean, we even have separate offices. Like their office building is a hundred yards from mine. So I don't see my brother sometimes for four or five days. Yep. Um, and so we work together, but in some ways we don't. Yep. So you don't have to go too far into it, but like, what would your advice be for like, you know, what, what could you have done differently, I guess, for whatever relationships didn't go well? And like, how, why is this one with your brother going better than the other one? Oh boy. That's a, that's there's, it depends on which one we dissect there, but, um, doing, doing business with family can just be, um, I haven't done a lot of business with the family. Like I used to work for my uncle and my aunt that own to this day own Granite Ridge, love my aunt and uncle, but there's times when, I mean, he's the top builder in town, you know, and there's times when it's like, you know, I, I would do things differently and it's like, but great aunt and uncle, but like, yeah, I would run my business differently. Well, guess what I do. I mean, any business owner would say that. Right. So in fairness, if he worked for me, there's many things he would say, well, I would do this differently. And he would ha have a right to say that, but there, there can be tension and stuff at times when it's all work. And even at family reunions, well, he's my boss. I'm trying to impress him at family reunions and things that it's like, I just feel like that, that uh, it can get a little bit messy in that regard. So, um, and my dad was, is still the vice president there. So I, I would say I worked wow. under my dad as well. Um, is that Lonnie? Yeah. And by the okay. way, you even mentioned the fact that his name is Lonnie because there was times at work. He's like, hey, you know, should I call you Lonnie? Because I mean, you're my dad, but you know, is that not professional? And like my uncle Tony, it's like, Hey, should I always call you uncle Tony? Like even in front of customers or is like, should I call you Tony? And it's like, then outside of sure. work, like it, you know, that's one small, like tiny example of just things that it just, it can just get a little bit messy and tough. And um, it's still hard for me to this day to not look at my uncle Tony and say, Hey, Tony. And I'm like, that's kind of disrespectful. I, you know, at least I was brought up to call an uncle, uncle Tony. Right. Yep. So th there can be some dynamics there. And it's like, I don't mean disrespect. It's just for 10 years. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. what I called you. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's just things there that, you know, no, no one was no one right or wrong, but there's just things with family that I think can get confusing and it's tough and family should trump any sort of business decisions or, you know, um, yeah, it trumps business and money. So yep. for me, the best thing for a lot of my family's relationship was me and my brother leaving. And I think they're better off for it. And I think we're better off for it. So creating a win-win. That's awesome. Um, and there really hasn't been any other family business we've, we've done other than I used to work for a family business.
Yep. So I got one more question about that. So basically, yeah. uh, I don't know how close you get all four were like before you guys got started, but mm -hmm. like, uh, how have you seen your relationships change? Like, do you guys still like, you know, talk about brotherly things or is it went all to business now? Or like, do you guys have it where you turn it on and off and like, yeah. you, you know, and like separate that or we separate it pretty good. I think, I mean, there is some people that, you know, and I don't know why people ask us this, but oh, so the four of you, your best friends. So you hang out on the weekends and it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm with them all week. And there's like right. 13 kids or something like we're not going to get 13 kids together and all of us and they're in sports. I mean, the, it is like once a year that we can get all four of the owners and their wives in the same room. Like yeah. it's just not um, it's a nightmare to plan, you know, with everyone, you know, personal schedules and vacations or whatever. So, I mean, we're good friends. Jonathan lives in the same neighborhood as me. We're like two houses down from each other. And, you know, occasionally it's like, hey, come jump in my hot tub or, hey, you know, I had him come help me move something last night. So, I mean, there's certainly a good relationship there. Yeah. Um, but we get a lot of our, our, I mean, we have ping pong table at work. We play ping pong every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Either of you do it. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, if you're playing every day, I know I'm not going to win. Good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty good. I can imagine. <laughs> We're picky on paddles and it's got to be Olympic rules, throw the ball six inches, all kinds of stuff that we regulate. We now. need a bigger space. Yeah. That's what we need. Oh, actually, we're about to open this up, so maybe we'll yeah. get a ping pong table yeah. in there. It's fun. Honestly, it, it's funny that um, we added a ping pong table, and I think, because I've got like, somewhere between 20 and 30 employees now and stuff too. And I would not have guessed that adding that, the kind of camaraderie and I don't know, it, it seems like it's made a better work environment for everybody. Wow. So we, and we also hit ping pong, or I'm sorry, not ping pong balls. We hit uh, golf balls to the Island. Out, our, our offices are at union 12, our event center. And, yep. and uh, we hit golf balls there and we like make people do it. Like you need to go hit your five golf balls every day. That's awesome. Um, you just have to do it. So, yeah. and it's, it's been a fun, fun dynamic. So our coach, our coach has a ping pong table in his. Yeah, so there's gotta be something. Yeah. We gotta get We're big pong. on work, but we've, we've actually followed and I'd say it's the years ago, Facebook and Google and stuff on, you know, vacation and Hey, we want people to stay here and have fun. Like everyone's got downtime at work. They don't need to be sneaky about it. You want to go right. play a ping pong game, go play yeah. it. Um, and if you don't, I will. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. We're going to ping pong table. Yep. There you go. Sold you. So, uh, Back to when you first uh, got out of high school, you became a realtor. Did mm -hmm. you have some early success as a realtor? And then what did life look like between uh, becoming a realtor and then joining uh, Granite Ridge Builders? And then what did, how did that become you getting into real estate investing? Yeah. So I, out of uh, high school, I think, I think I actually got my real estate license my senior year. It was either right after or during my senior year. Whenever I turned 18, I got my real estate license as soon as I could. Um, and from there, I actually did start working at Granite Ridge Builders. I was a licensed agent, but I would say I wasn't really practicing existing real estate just because I was busy enough um, representing, you know, new construction. And most people, you know, name brand, you know, Granite Ridge, like people aren't going to list their home with Granite Ridge, right? They're a home builder. So um, I didn't really have any marketing to, to market myself towards that. I started doing more existing real estate as I would have customers that wanted to build and, oh, we got a house to sell. And like, turn around the hat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can do that too, you know? So um, I did get some listings and get kind of familiar with how that process worked. Um, just started kind of on, you know, I think it was 2008. Um, my worst year might have been 2009, actually. It might, have, might not have been when the market crashed. But either way, started looking and talking about other opportunities because, you know, my income wasn't really going up. Deservingly, I wasn't selling more houses. I wasn't, you know, and I'm like, man, is this just what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Um, 
and what other things could I do? And I started looking, my dad and my uncle have always bought like sheriff sales flips and they kind of did that on the side. And so there was some interest there. Um, I think I had, I know what, I know exactly what it was. It was $24,000 in my 401k. And it actually started with just me and Jonathan, where he had, you know, similar amount of money that he was willing to invest. And we, you know, that's back in, I would say it was like the, the heyday of flipping because you could buy, you know, a house that was five years old that needed, we called it the special back then. It was paint, carpet, um, 10 bags of mulch, and it was on the market in two weeks. Mm, wow. And you really couldn't go wrong. I mean, it's a five-year-old home, you right. know? I mean, so, and you could buy a house like that for 70 grand. And, you wow. know, I think our first one was 50, 55,000. It was in Ligonier, Indiana. Um, I remember the numbers on it well. Um, we ended up selling it for 100, but we only had like 70 in it. And, you know, like, that's your we, first one? We, yeah, and we both had wow. jobs. And so we're both like, I don't really need the profits. Like, do you? No. And it's like, well, now we could buy two. Um, and so we take that money, we buy two, and then we got the other guys interested. I'd say we made them jealous, and they were like, <laughs> we want to flip a house. And so, you know, we ended up like, hey, well, if we all have similar amounts of money to invest, we could go buy three or four. And it was really quick that we realized, like, hey, there's like a business here. Now, we still think the business is going to be us just representing buyers and sellers and that kind of be our main income. But like we could probably flip 10 or 20 homes on the side. And we started realizing real quick that like, no, if we got investors and banks involved, we could. I mean, I think our I think our best year we did 70 or 80 um, flips in, in, in a single year. And we were trying to build even from there. But the market just kind of changed and it made it really hard to buy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you just didn't have the, our first 200 flips. I used to think we were awesome. Our first 200 flips, we did not lose money on one house. Wow. And I used to think like, we should be doing seminars. We're amazing at what we do. I think our last 50, we lost money on half of them. Close to it. When I say lost, broke even or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you it know, a couple grand here. That, it shifted to where, I mean, when we were buying one, the houses that were only five years old, like, to me became not they, they were non-existent i mean the market started going up quick enough that people could just get out they didn't need to foreclose right. so I, I and i don't know what that landscape looks like today but finding five-year-old homes sheriff sale that are listed by the bank for 40 or 50 grand under market value is probably not real common right now yeah, never heard of that. so yeah yeah and, and that was like the regular we were doing multiples a month like that so the houses you had to buy just needed a lot more work. And so you really couldn't afford to be wrong. Cause you know, before if you were, you know, our margins were 40 or 50 grand on some right. of those flips. And if you were wrong by five or 10 grand, you were fine. Um, towards the end, and we had kind of make the joke, like if we went to the sheriff's sale and we bought a house, we were not happy. If we didn't buy a house, we were not happy. But like you were unhappy either way. Cause you'd yeah. be walking out like crap. Should I, I mean, I just paid 10 grand over what I said I was gonna pay. Like. How am I going to explain this to the guys? And like, are we going to make any money on this house? You know, like, so it got hard. Um, and so I, I know like, like Drew, good friend of mine and you guys, like you're doing creative things. Mm -hmm. um, instead of doing those creative things, we started building homes. We saw the market. That's our background anyways. And we're like, we can build houses. We can control it. The nice thing about building is I can tell you what my first quarter is going to look like next year already. Right. You know, you can't with flipping like banks would say, how, how do you think fourth quarter is going to be? And I'm like, oh, you have to wait till the end of fourth quarter and we'll all find out. Right. You know, I mean, right. depends on how hard everybody I might buy three and... houses at the beginning of fourth quarter and still sell them that right. quarter. Like with, with building now, that could be the negative, too. Like, but you, you will know. Same thing with like, you know, the event centers we own. I already know what this year looks like and most of next year. Like you it's know. already booked? Yeah, it's booked. Wow. So, I mean, like to be able to forecast out like that, like yeah, it's, a game it's hard to go back to the, for me, it's hard to go back to the flipping world where it's like, I don't know, yeah. this quarter hasn't been written till the end of the quarter, but. 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny that you say that about the sheriff sales too, because I remember going to the sheriff sales and just looking at people, and you were like, "Well, you're unhappy if you bought, and you're unhappy if you uh, didn't buy." Yep. I just I remember looking at a lot of the people there, and I was like, "Wow, this looks like a lot of unhappy people." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the the sheriff it sales changed. are kind of mean. Like it the, the the folks there are just like ultra competitive, like oh. kind of rough. Like you know, they've got a lot of money, but a lot of them don't look like they're having a good time when they show up to the sheriff sales and yeah so when and we honestly first we were there, yeah we were i'm a sore loser so there's several houses that i would follow through like okay what's that guy going to do with the house yeah. and unfortunately there's an this sounds bad to say but it's just the truth there's just an endless supply of ignorant people yeah. and so it's like so who was your biggest competition well it wasn't you guys or me or someone else we all want to buy a house with margin it was that guy that thinks you watch too much HGTV and he just thinks, oh, if I put a reasonable amount of effort into this home, I should be able to ask for a reasonable amount of return. And it's like, it's got to appraise. It's got to, I mean, there's comps. There's, I mean, I'd, I'd see people list a home then for 180 grand that won't comp over 140. Right. And, and I'm like, like where'd you get and that I'd number? watch it two months later, oh, 170, oh, 165. And then it's like, okay. So there, I, was, I wasn't wrong. You know, like they yeah. just somehow thought they could list that house and, and the comps were clear as day. Yeah. So it's like they just maybe they don't have the real estate license or maybe they don't think comps matter or they're learning some hard lessons. The problem is there would always I'd never see that guy again at the sheriff's sale, but there'd be somebody else. Yeah. And then there'd be an, every sheriff's sale. There's an endless, endless supply of those people. So that's what happened to us in the sheriff's sale game where it got really hard. It may be getting I don't know what it's like today. I haven't been to a sheriff's sale probably in two years. So, yeah, we don't go either. We just go direct to seller now. But um, so did your company ever buy like do you Zimbian or like you four guys or you personally own like a bunch of rentals? Because I, I know you talk about you got some consistency, obviously, with your other stuff. But mm -hmm. um, before that ever happened, did you guys ever just start buying rentals to try to get some sort of consistency? Yeah, so the rentals that we have um, at our maximum, I think we maybe had 40 units. Um, and a lot of those were flips that we bought and it's like, okay, I got this three bedroom, one bath in Kendallville, you know, it's worth 74.9. I've got 55, 60 into it. By the time I sell it, pay, you know, closing costs, commissions, all that, like there's no money there. <laughs> so yeah. And it's like, uh, but I could finance out 50 grand from a bank right now, cash flow it at 800 a month. And like, you know, maybe we do that. So, you know, it's, it's Pay less in taxes. Pay le yeah. So, I mean, we, there was certain percentage of homes that we would say, you know what, that might be a good rental. Um, and maybe the margins, a lot of times it derived from, Hey, the margins aren't there. Let's just rent it. Um, and then it became, Oh, we'll sell it next year. And then we just rent it long term. So we've recently started selling some of those rentals and we're, we've been building a few, nice. um, 1031 and into some builds or whatever. But I always hear that, uh, like at least the people that we always talk to out in Vegas and stuff like that, they're always like, my all the flippers, their biggest regret is ever selling a property. Do you ever like look back and like look at those yes. and like, oh my God. <laughs> right now, yes, because I mean, things have gone up like 30% in the last two years. So, I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's some houses that, I mean, luckily we own some that I'm like, I can't even yeah. believe what they're worth today. Like that same two bedroom that was worth 74 nine, I can sell for 120 grand and get multiple offers on it today. Yeah. yeah and it's I like, that's know. nuts. I don't know if you planned it or you had your uh, Facebook girl plan it, but oh, that yeah. 10 year challenge was hilarious. That's one of my favorite. We memes. like to rock the boat. You know, what's funny <laughs> is we've had two, I think we've had two or three Facebook um, things go viral. Like one of yeah. them had like 10 million. I mean, it was na smokes. national viral and it's always been controversial stuff. Yeah. Uh, it tells you why, like the news is like, why isn't this in the news? It's because it's not controversial. <laughs> if it's debatable, it'll be national news. Yeah. In case you guys um, didn't see the meme, it was a, uh, a, uh, uh, basically a stock photo of a property, like a brand new build. 
and it said uh, 10 years ago, because it was part of the 10-year challenge, 250000 And then the same exact property for like 750000 or something like that. So it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. we had to delete so many. You, you don't even know how many comments. Uh, <laughs> People just were really offended by that. I think they thought, I don't know what they by thought. By that one? I think they thought that like builders are up in the price. Just so you know, my profit margin is way down from yeah. what it was two years ago. If you think I can stay on top of building prices going, going up 2% a month, no, the builders are the one paying that price. Right. Um, and, and if you think that it works like, well, we signed a contract, so now all of your subs, that you know, they're locked in. No, they're not. Thermotrue doors went up 8% yesterday. That's effective immediately. Right. So, I mean, with my markup, like, I'm eating that. So yeah. garage doors went up 52% in two weeks, effective immediately. Builders are paying that price. So, I mean, yeah, our profit margin, our volume was up, thankfully, but our, our margin was down because you cannot stay on top of the price increase. And I'm probably just a glass half full guy. Every month for the last two years, I'm like, I bet we've hit the peak. And then the next month, I'm like, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. it's got it. We've got to hit the peak. A little worried about if we don't soon because it's it, nationwide. I think they said 20%, which is right where we're at. 20% in the last year on new construction. And it was about 10 or 15% the year before that. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. What do you think about uh, inflation? Uh, uh, talking about what seven percent? Yeah, or or like just the market in general? Because we hear people all the time that are like, "It's gonna crash, it's gonna crash, it's gonna crash," and then we listen to our mentors and stuff, and they're like, "Guys, there are no houses, and you can't really build any right now because prices keep going up." <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I don't know how it's gonna crash. It kind of sounds impossible. So. With yeah. the amount of money that we printed and put into the economy, the demand for housing, do you see the market crashing in the future? Or what do you think about the market and what's going to happen? I've learned, man, I am, I always say this, I am so opinionated and I am so wrong a lot. <laughs> so I've been wrong. I mean, I told people like, oh, interest rates are in the fours. You're an idiot if you don't refi or buy a house or whatever. I went down to threes and twos and they've been there for like 10 years. So like, I, I don't guess on economics. If you would told me two years ago, there was going to be a pandemic, new construction prices up 30%. I just said, we got to get out of the business. So there's going to be bread lines and it's, it's a, it, and it's a depression. That's what I would have told you, like guaranteed. And somehow like I'm still got a line at my desk of people that want to build a home. It doesn't make sense, but um, it's happening. And so like, I, it's hard to guess, but I, I do believe there's like two separate issues. I was just talking about it with a friend earlier today. I said, the problem is there's an inventory problem. And then there's this other f sector of that, that's worth considering, the fact that this is a nationwide thing. If this was regional, where prices were just going up for some reason regionally, um, then I would be concerned. But I said, this is nationwide. When I say 20% in the last year for new construction, that's a nationwide stat. And I'm like, so Fort Wayne still remains one of the most affordable places to live. We've sold so many of our spec homes and so many like to people that live out of state. I just sold a house to a guy that he still works in California, but he can live wherever he wants. Um, and so Fort Wayne is one of the most affordable places and the stuff we're doing downtown and stuff. I mean, I never would have guessed that was going to take off like it did whenever they started that 10 or 15 years ago. And that's done huge. I mean, we're a cool place to live now. I mean, there's yeah. no reason not to live unless you hate snow which is fair. But other than that, we are just as good a place to live as anywhere. We have good schools. We've got a lot of things going for Fort Wayne. But then if, if, if Fed, which, you know, if the rate starts going up in March, I mean, that was been a huge carrot for people for a long time. I mean, you know, I locked in last year at like 2.7 on a 30 year because like a 15 year was like 2.6 or something. So 2.7% yeah. interest rate. And then some people still get in the threes. I mean, that's a great rate. If rates go up, um, but the thing is, you still got that combated with the inventory problem, which is like a separate issue. So I, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and that's really all I can say about it. But I don't have any predictions of what's going to happen. But here's what I will say. Prices cannot continue to go up at 2% a month. Yeah, People can't sustain that. 
Um, and I'm already seeing that, like where people, with new construction, it's very common. People come in, the, the long four-year joke has been, man, if everyone just had another 50 grand. Mm-hmm. Like I could make anyone happy if their budget was just 50 grand higher. And some people could choose to spend that or whatever. 50 grand in the scheme of things isn't always that much. Right. But I mean, my meetings in the last two weeks, they're a couple hundred grand away. The wow. house they're mm-hmm. describing and they want need or whatever, and and what they can afford are like 200 grand away. And it's like, I mean, like the difference is huge. I can't talk, and not, I'm not trying to talk people up on their budget, but like, we're, I mean, we might as well end the meeting. I mean, 200,000, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, yeah, that, you're if not I gonna showed you what budget. you could afford, like we're not even close. Right. Yeah. So, well, you guys built some pretty nice stuff. There's we some do. other we're, home we're builders not, out uh, there that don't we're build not a, nice We're not a low stuff. end, <laughs> yeah. We're not a low end builder. Um, I wouldn't say we're the highest end either, but um, we're not a low end builder. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a custom builder, um, but yeah, it's it's getting hard for people, and that may be where like the market is. I mean, Altoff or whatever the, you know, some of those builders that build more boxy homes and stuff. Like maybe we're gonna enter a time when people got to start. You know, I, I don't want to say dumbing the houses down, but kind of. I mean, you go to any other big city, and I mean, box builders are the name of the game. Um, and here we kind of chew them up and spit them out because you know we've got a lot of the Amish influence and the craftsmen. Crap, a lot of good craftsmen here. We build a better home in Fort Wayne, and I mean this, than anywhere else in the country. And I've looked at homes a lot of places. The yeah. quality here, I mean, you say custom cabinets, people expect that from us. Wow. You go any other city and you mention custom cabinets, and they're like, oh my gosh, where do you get those? That seems expensive. Some yeah. of them get them from here, like Grable. They send them all over the nation. Wow. But I mean, it, we're in an area where people just expect that. And, and it's because of our craftsmen, our you know, stick built framing and all that stuff. Like, they're not going to let you prefab walls and stuff. I mean, you know, but we live in an area where people expect it. We may, if, if prices continue to go up, there may be more and more of a market for some of those boxier, cheaper builders. But I mean, I mean, those homes aren't falling down either. So right. they're just, it's a cheaper product. Yep. But I want to go back just a little bit because I know we talked about like, you know, the market crashing and like, there's never been people that have been uh, in real estate that long since like, you know, you said 08 or 09. I was in, I was in 04. 04. Okay. So talk about that. Like, you know, do you see any similarities at all or is it just completely different? Completely different. Uh, I mean, it was a financial crisis before. So, I mean, it was, and, and now with the government, you know, no matter where you stand on that stuff, I mean, their ability to put band-aids on things and, and do buyouts. And I mean, there's things that they can do in the market that can really prolong or, you know, um, maybe temporarily at least fix, you know, add to the debt, you know, whatever. So it's interesting. That, that's the other reason why I think it's really even hard for forecasters to say what's going to happen in six months, because I've had banks tell me, oh, in the next six months, X, Y, Z. And it's like, yeah, but there's, there's an, some other elements at play that could happen that could prolong that or push it back. But I don't know if we're going to see a, a crash like like we did in 08. I, I wouldn't think so. Um, and the, the 08 one was like overnight, too. I mean, we're talking like in a matter of three days, things changed drastically. Um, were you guys flipping then? Yeah. And, I, and and the thing is, too, I mean, I, and I was I took part in it. Raise my hand. Um, I'm not unproud of it. It's just it was what it was. Um, but there was a lot of subprime lending. And I mean, the people that I, I mean, I say I wasn't giving loans. And it was not my job to tell tell people unless they ask, do you think I should do this? Like, you have $200 in your checking account. You're buying a $300,000 house. Like, what are you doing? Right. You know, but people could do that. Like, oh, yeah, well, sure. I'm about to get a raise at work. Well, we can actually put that on your application. Yep. I mean, you can. Yeah. Um, and like that, that stuff's kind of gone now. So, I mean, people are putting some skin in the game. Um, so that does add an element of security. Um, sure. And so I, I do feel like, I mean, most of the loans, at least MBN does, they're all, all those customers are getting conventional loans. And so they're putting significant down payments down and, I mean, it does kind of safeguard, you know, the system, I guess, uh, or the market from, you know, 
real estate would have to fall quite a bit for people to be in a position where they can't sell a house. So yep. was it way easier for you to get loans to then like as an investor, like was investor loans just as easy as like you going and just buying multiple homes for yourself or whatever? Or was it different between, you know, investors and then the people actually wanted to live there? Um, we were, we've always worked on with the commercial, the commercial banking side of things is different than the residential. And I would say it's harder. Um, banks, I learned this and I don't know if I read this or someone told me this, but it is true. Banks want to give loans to people that don't need them. So if you need a loan for this business venture, they don't want to give it to you right? because of the word need. Yeah, you yep. need it. Um, if you've got 19 other options for money, they'd love to be one of them. Yep. So, um, that's kind of what we're, we're, where I would say most banks fall into that category. So um, I think banks are too conservative on the commercial side. I mean, I argue that all the time. I mean, they want to give, you know, some of my banks want to give me, you know, 80% of cost. Sounds good. 80% of cost. Right. So I'm really getting like a 60% loan to value. And it's right. like, what world do you live in where I foreclose on 75%? I mean, 75% loans became popular after the Great Depression when market uh, nationwide, the markets fell 25%. Um, and so that's where, you know, banks started saying, well, we should give 75% loans. That puts us in a secure place. So why would you ever need to give anything lower than that? I mean, the worst time in modern history that we have recorded was was 25%. And by the way, it took the markets four years to bottom out at that. Right. So show me the world at 75% with all the other assets I have. Show me that world. And, and by the way, if that happens, I'm the least of your concerns. Right. Everything's going to be yes. pretty Armageddon. Far. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be pretty bad then. So I'm always trying to tell them that. And they're like, yeah, I hear you, but loan committee. It's like, yeah, I know. They go into loan committees. <laughs> everybody's excuse, like everybody's excuse now for like the next 20 years is going to be COVID for the last, oh, for yeah. the last, you know, friggin', uh, what, how long ago was 2008? Well, since 2008, the excuse has been 2008. Now, in yeah. 2022, the excuse is COVID. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you go from one to the other. Yep. What do you yeah. think? What do you think about uh, debt? Then are you a big fan of Dave Ramsey? Um, no, I, okay. no. I say because I don't get think, me started on Dave Ramsey. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear about it. What Did do you we think? talk about him before? How did you bring so. him up? Because he's like a hot button. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, just because right. we talked it's about a, debt. It's a pretty good thing yeah. among among real estate you investors. They all dislike. I dislike him so much that I watch his show. <laughs> that tells oh you anything. Because I want to be educated enough. What he says. Uh, yeah. Dude, I got to say one thing about what he said that I thought was hilarious. So I told Tony this. He told this guy. It was actually um, uh, Pace Morby. I don't know if you follow him at all, but he's hilarious. He, I don't. He, you should well, Maybe I do. I'm not great with names. He's a but, real estate okay. guru type guy that mostly does subject to investing, but he yeah you would love him dude he, he he puts on this like bald cap and he's just like dave ramsey whenever you're signing for a car loan he's just like and yeah. like flips off the camera and <laughs> yeah. stuff and like uh but he was telling the story about how um you know this guy wanted to start flipping properties or whatever and uh the guy's like well what do you think i should do dave you know I'm, i want to flip this property i got you know five grand saved up he's like well can you pay cash for it yeah, well, uh, keep working your job, work overtime until you save up the money for it. And Pace, yeah. is, Pace was just like, he just told this guy to work 40 years of his life to save up this money so he can flip one house. Yeah. One house when he could just borrow it, make the money, and then like move on. And he's like, yeah. he just told that guy to waste his life. Yeah. So, so the thing I'll say that if this is what Dave Ramsey's mission is, and if I ever could like see him in person and ask him like, dude, behind closed doors, just tell me like, cause, cause, cause we all know America could be very, I want it now, immediate gratification, lots of debt, oh, credit yeah. cards, credit cards, credit cards. Yep. And he's over here, right? And I'm like, if your goal 
by all of this way over here is just to get people in the middle. If that's really where you're trying to end and you know people aren't gonna follow all of your advice or, or, or the majority of people aren't, but you're gonna get them halfway, I'm with him. Because there is some balance to, sure. you know, like I, I told people like, he said the other day, he's like, I can't think of one reason why someone would need a credit card. There's not one reason in the world. Really? I can think of four Yeah. right now. Traveling overseas, security, building credit. Uh, I can't think of the four. But I, mean, I, can, I can think of four right now. Rewards. Possible. Credit card rewards. Yeah, credit card nice. rewards. <laughs> I can think of several. Now, here's what I would say. Have you made an interest payment on your credit card in the last year? If the answer is yes, then you, you probably shouldn't one. have one. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't even think it's debatable. That is the answer. So I'm like, so why are you telling people that? And it's because I think you think you're talking to all these people that are crazy and they probably do need to come halfway. Sure. And then, you know, but yeah, I saw, I saw an example once where the guy was like, Hey, I've got this investment I could make. And you know, I just pay, I, I could pay off my house. It's worth 600 grand and I could pay off my house with that hundred grand, or I could go buy this rental. I got this investment and he's like, don't even want to hear about the investment, pay off your house. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He just said, and, and he said he owed 150 grand on his house. That's worth 600. And he said, let me tell you why you're going to pay off your house first. Every millionaire, we've studied them. You know what they all know? They all pay off their house. And you want to know why? It's because they all know that there's no sure. chance of foreclosure after they pay off their house. And you know, 100% of foreclosures come with, from people with mortgages. <laughs> and I said, do you know how many people if we, if we trust this guy's numbers, that he, he has a $600,000 house that he was 150 on, he would literally have to be not right in the head for that to foreclose. There's no world right. that we've ever lived in where that's a possible foreclosure. So for you to feel like he could still foreclose when he can borrow money at two and a half percent or whatever on his current house, refi it or whatever, and then go use that hundred grand on an investment property, it's a no brainer. Or sell it. Yeah. Even if he sold it for half of what it's worth, yeah. he's still gonna get, make money. Dave Ramsey failed in the real estate business and he's still, trying to make sure other people don't get ahead now <laughs> he's probably helping to people but i assure you he's hurting some so yeah. that is funny though because yeah i agree i mean there there is something to you know living frugally especially in the beginning whenever you have to save and you have to like delay that instant gratification but he basically says to do that forever um and like so yeah i mean I guess let's talk about that too. I got Did like you? 10 million in debt, just so you know, and I'm yeah. proud of all of it. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Well, not ask that how much you have in debt right now, but like in the beginning, did you have to do, like kind of follow that? Like where, you know, you're like, Hey, I'm not going to go and buy a freaking crazy car because my debt to income is going to be off and I can't get loans. Or did you ever have to live frugally or did you always have like access to private money or anything like that? No. And in fact, I, I'm glad you brought that up. But, um, you know, one of the things that, probably just because of my family and the different things. I've had people come up to me, not many, but I've had a few that have said, oh, you know, it must be nice to go out and be able to have 30 or 40 houses. Yeah, you know, must, using your logo. Must be nice, yeah, I know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You're like, literally, yeah, it must, must be nice to, to have a dad that, you know, really helped you guys out, you know, financially or whatever, and I'm like, First of all, if you think my dad's awesome, and if you think the best thing he ever gave me was money, you're wrong. He gave me all kinds of good advice, and he gave me something that far outweighs any any kind of money thing. So number one, I'm offended at that. Two, I said, the reason you don't have 40 homes isn't because of money. It's because you're blaming your resources instead of your resourcefulness. That's, that's the truth. I said, because at, when we take 100 grand, right? We'd finance out of it. Then we go buy another one. Then we go buy another one. Then another one. Then we had investors. Those investors were paying for 100% of the property. And then we were like, I don't know if we were splitting the profits, but whatever we were doing. And, um, you know, we, we we'd get like a million dollars in investor debt. So we'd go buy 10 houses. All, all the houses we had, um, there were loans on 100% of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'd finance out as much as we could, finance all our money out and go do it again. Yep. So for us, it was like, I mean, it had nothing to do. I mean, you give me you give me a hundred grand and I'll go have 40 houses with it in the next year. Yeah. I yeah. guess my main point though, is that you're not buying 
stupid stuff you're you're using debt to buy assets so that's that's then that's i think obviously as a real yes. estate investor you yeah have and, to. You, and you're buying assets early on was there anything that you bought that maybe you shouldn't have bought like did you get oh, a, plenty of did stuff. you get a nice truck before you were actually <laughs> ready or he like, bought guns we already know <laughs> he bought i do have some guns those are not a bad investment but um, <laughs> that's true possibly that's better true. than a house but um uh we we were pretty I, I would say we lived within our means. I mean, we, we were lucky to get into the flipping business when I think that it was the heyday of flipping. It may have actually been a year or two before we got into it, according to some of our competitors that you know told us. But we got into it during a really good time, and the margins were really good. So we produced pretty good products. And we did sell still existing real estate, buyers and sellers. So we, we made six-figure incomes year one. Wow. Um, you know, but all four of you. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's so crazy. we, we did that year one and, you know, kind of never looked back from there. So yeah, we, we did okay. But I mean, yeah, we had nice vehicles and stuff, but I think we had, you know, yeah, the income to support, to support it. it. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, building houses, venues for weddings and events, some rental properties you guys have got, what's the thing that's making you the most money? Like which one is the most profitable business? So it depends if you're considering and as uh, invest fellow investors yourselves, I mean, are you, are you looking at ROI or are you looking like um, if you're looking at, you know, the return on investment, I mean, our event centers have done really well. And for me, so one of the things that, you know, it, and it's kind of depressing in a small way, but um, our first few years in business, like the struggle was we didn't have enough money. Like, oh my gosh, I bought two homes at the sheriff's sale. I could have bought six if I just had the money. Yep. But the thing that there was a lot of hope in that because I knew we could get, we're going to get there. We're building it. We're putting money back into the business where we got more investors lining up, you know, banks, you know, like we're going to get there. Um, now we're at a point where it's kind of like time yep. is the problem. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what's really limiting me now is, is time. And I can't get more of that. Mm -hmm. So in, in some ways that's kind of got some, there's some depressing factors to that because sure. it just is what it is. And you can uh, lend us some money, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you never know, but um, just let us replace you, put us on a really high salary, and then we'll just do your job for you. Job. Then you got well, all your time back. So, so the, the beautiful thing about like both of the event centers I have is I always joke I could move to California and still yep. run those because we have staff in place, we have you know good good processes in place, and they've been really profitable and really predictable. Meaning yep. I already know this year we're going to produce similar profits to last year and the year mm -hmm. before. Like I already know that um, based on what we have in the pipeline and then next year is already looking good. So um, those those businesses have been the best ROI. But MBM Properties is, I mean, we did 26 or 7 million last year in new construction. And that's, that's, that's our, that's our main source of income for sure. Um, and then the rentals, we cash flow there, but you know, it's yeah, that's nothing now. <laughs> it's not. So who is a who's your biggest competitor then? Like, do you guys even really have a competitor? Or is there anybody doing luxury like you guys or? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's other builders. It is hard, and I, I'll battle with the customer on this. You know, floor plans are copywritten now. Um, probably one of the best thing that's ever happened for builders, but probably a, a pretty unfortunate thing in my mind for customers because back when I worked at Granite Ridge, you know, they would take our floor plan and they'd go price it. You know, we were competitive at the time. You know, Granite Ridge. I'm saying like we were competitive, and but people would take that floor plan and go price it around, and some builders would come up with their own version of it. it was the same thing. They called yeah. it something else. Now that's, you can't do that. Like, I mean, you, mm. like if, if, if I've got a floor plan on my website, like even a derivative of that, meaning you could print that off, take it to another builder and have them change it 19,000 times. If my floor plan is the derivative, 
like you can't do that. And so most builders respect that. Like, Hey, whatever you priced out with them, don't open that folder right now, because as soon as I see that, I mean, yeah. things get muddy and not only for me, but for the customer. So in fairness, like I can price out a different home for you, but like, how do you compare that? Like, right. so it's made like, like, are we a competitive builder compared to this builder? Who's your main competitor? It makes it really hard for a customer to even want to like, so we have to sit down with you and start from scratch. I mean, we, yeah. already, we already have a floor plan in this file. Like, yeah, I don't even want to see it. Yep. Like we're starting all over and you can describe the same thing. And if I happen to draw it, right. I came up with that myself, yep. but like, you can't just, you know, so there's copyright laws. And I, I think we're one of the only top builders that has not been sued. And th those lawsuits are, can be big. I mean, millions of dollars. I mean, it depends on right. how many times you built it or what you did, but I mean, they, they can be ugly. So wow. um, we take it pretty seriously. Like, Hey, if you've got a floor plan that you own the rights to, which is different, you had an architect draw it for you, you paid for it. But that's not a good way to do things either, because now you're going out and having an architect draw something. He's just going to take, he's an order taker, right? Everyone's going to describe the White House. I've never had an architect draw a plan for a customer that they brought in and was anywhere near their budget. Mm -hmm. We'll unroll it. Oh, 400,000. Yeah, that's 900,000. All right, let's start from scratch. You just spent six months. <laughs> and why did you do that? Well, we wanted to own the plan and be able to take it to different builders. Can't because this wasn't even close, you know, right. to what you can afford. So you guys have your own architects in house. We, um, they're not in house. So that is one of the, uh, of all the employees we have, we have three different architects we work with that we outsource. They give us a certain amount of hours, like in a week, I guess. Yeah. But, um, and, and we actually like that. It's one of the reasons I think our houses look different, like from one to the next. Yeah. Cause when you tend to go with one architect, I mean, I can tell you just jump on our website. I'd be like, I know I could tell you exactly what architect drew it because of their style. Yep. And so it's like, we've talked about, should we just hire? Cause we're paying more than just one full-time architect. But I'm like, if we just hire one of them full-time, we're going to get a lot of that flavor over and over and over and over again. And I, I kind of like being, yeah, if we want a real modern house, like I know the guy for the job. Yep. If we want something, you know, whatever style, like, okay, that's going to be, you know, this guy or, you know, this girl. So, um, yeah, we like to keep it separate, but yeah, we've got some part-time draftsmen that work for us. That's awesome. What uh, marketing techniques work well for you guys? I know you're active on social media. Um, did you guys just say like, hey, we're going to start building houses now, and then all of a sudden people came to you? Or was it more like, hey, we had to build our brand, hire these salespeople, these salespeople went out and found people? Was it just a social media push? Was it TV, newspaper? Yeah. Like, How did you guys market? So we probably had a few thousand followers and then we did the HGTV show. Did you know about that? Mm -hmm. We did that how was pilot. That, three or four years ago. Yeah. Pilot aired a few times. We went from like 3000 followers to like 12,000 followers wow. on social media in like weeks, maybe, maybe a few months, but did they, quickly. Air it? they aired it. Yeah. They aired it three times. Oh my gosh. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. It, they aired it three times and, um, um, didn't end up picking it. They didn't go to season, which it's crazy. Cause we got more publicity. Like if you would, if I had, if I had to guess like the publicity we would get from a whole show, like, you know, 12 episodes or whatever it is. Um, we got that just out of the pilot. Like I, I just never would have guessed how much marketing we would get just out of the pilot. Wow. Um, and in fact, shows you how like ignorant people are. I mean, I had somebody turn around on an airplane to me like six months ago. I've watched every one of your shows. They're so great. I'm like, I think I got a show aired on it. I think they think I'm one of the property brothers, but oh, you're <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're, I have yeah. no idea. But it's like, you know, and we had so many people comment like, oh, I watch your show like every Thursday. And I'm like, what what show are you watching? Because oh, that's, that's not our show. Dude, that's hilarious. You know, I never even but, told you this, but like we were one time I was uh, hanging out with Logan or something at the NBN thing at like mm -hmm. one of the home and garden shows. They're coming up to me like, well, like one of them, and I'm like, 
Which which brother are you? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like oh, dude, I don't even know what to say to these yeah. guys, but they thought we were you guys yeah, for some yeah. reason. But So there's enough of that, and, and I guess I'm thankful for it because there are people that still think our show's airing on HGTV. I mean, they, awesome. they own it, so they could rerun it, and they do do that occasionally with pilots, so they wouldn't tell me. They would just do it, but like in the middle of the night or something. But, yep, but that was um, huge for you guys? Oh, it was huge, yeah. It was wow. huge. And it helped us with the brand. You know, perception is reality, and yep. we are quality guys. We know how to build a quality product, but... But, you know, oh, they're on HGTV, so yep. they're the best. We, um, on that TV, you know. was that a, was that about building or was that for flipping for you guys? It was about flipping, and we flipped a house in Elkhart, um, and uh, it was called Small Town Big Flip, and gotcha. we we uh, we flipped a house in Elkhart, Indiana. Nice. Yep. What do you guys do better than any other home builder? Um, you know, it's I, I I talk to my wife about this all the time because. Um, one communication, we communicate, we do use like builder trend, which is an online software, which, you know, really is helpful. I mean, it's expensive, but like it makes, it's like we used to build houses before and then we did it with builder trend. And I'm like, I don't even know how we did it before, <laughs> you know, with communication and all that stuff, you know, it's like, it's all there. It's centralized, all our communications on there. And so communication is one of them. The other thing is, I mean, and this is the thing like about my partners, like, uh, we're talking about partnering with maybe Youth for Christ and, you know, a couple other charities building the house. You know, we've done that before. And, like, I never even had to get permission from my partners to do that because, like, we're all like-minded. We want to give back. And so, like, I, I always said, like, if you're going to partner with people, partner with people that at least from a moral perspective have the same core principles and ideas. And um, I think that's important. And and I, I tell people all the time, like, a lot of things, like, boil down. And I, and I think COVID has, has made it worse, but people – they're just not very trusting. And I've always told my wife, if, if people really believed me, I would have almost no problems ever with customers. And trust me, we have our share. But it, it really boils down, I said, it really boils down to trust. If they knew that when I told them, I will not allow a single stud in your home that I would not allow in mine. If I was building my own daughter a house, I, and if I'm not okay with it in her house, I'm not okay with it in yours. I said, if people, be, I tell that to every customer, I said, but some of them, they just don't believe you. It, it must be what it is because I'm telling you this is okay and you're still freaking out about it. Like right. you just don't trust me. Yep. Um, so for us, I do, but I do encompass that. Like I will not, if I was building a house for you, I will not allow something in your house that I will not allow in mine. Now I say that to say houses are not perfect. They're new, they're not perfect. Right. Um, so you have to have that understanding. There's imperfections. I just built a house for myself, my dream house, and there's imperfections in it. Yep. Come over. I'll show them to you. Well, dude, but I always tell I always tell our, our guys. I was just telling uh, them. I was like, guys, like, because they did this contract. Yeah, you can see cracks like right there. I'm like, dude, they did. This was perfect. Yeah. Six months ago. Yeah, it dried and, out. And yeah. then yeah, it gets hot and cold and expands, yeah. and then bam, there's cracks. Everyone, like, yeah, I'm like, let's yeah. stop making these things so freaking like perfect, and let's get them like. 90% good yeah. and then like stop yep. making it like perfect. But yeah, dude, houses expand. They like, they're going to yeah. crack. They're going to move. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time because people will come in. Oh, we built, we'll never build with this builder. Oh, there was a hairline crack in my driveway. And I'm like, I got a hairline crack in my driveway. Like yeah. that's, that's not, it I mean, happens. it's concrete. I yeah. mean, it's eventually going to crack. I mean, it doesn't happen on every driveway, but it, it can happen. It happened sure. to me. So like, if that's your standard or if that's why that builder's a bad guy, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, there's thousands of components in a new home. I mean, if you got all but one of them, you know, if you got all of them right, but one of them, you should probably build another home with him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, a lot of it's education and a lot of it is people just don't know. And, they, you know, builders, probably no different than like real estate agents. Like we're not 
rated much higher than you know lawyers and you know just as far as like trust goes and so i think a lot of people like you know there probably are some builders out there that are trying to screw people and um so they kind of come in with the guard up and i need to inspect the house every single day and you know and i'm going to be measuring stuff and looking for stuff and it's like you know yeah call call and ask you want to blow a deal up just get the parents involved (laughs) oh yeah no we we, that's that is all real estate including the home building yeah yeah my dad told me you got to have two by six walls well let me tell you about the way your dad used to build homes (laughs) how they used to insulate them and all that yeah right we've we've improved things trust me that's funny yeah what do you what do you think is easier uh like building homes or actually building them because i think i talked to you about this before but i have a friend building uh, them or wedding them building them or flipping them like whenever you're buying them building or building Well, I'm gonna choose building. Yeah, just, you're <laughs> gonna build right? them. Or you're gonna build them. Did I get it right? But uh, like building them or flipping them, uh, because I had a friend of mine that down in Tennessee says that building is way better, way easier, more uh, like less work for him, less headaches, and then it's actually more profitable. But what do you think was like better? Obviously, there's got to be something to it. Otherwise, you would still be flipping. But building is um, more predictable. There's a little bit more profit, I would say, and. I haven't slept good since I started my own business, though. Flipping or, own, I mean, owning a business, the overhead. There's there's plenty of reasons to lose sleep. So oh, and you got a bang too. I got a, oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I drink a lot of caffeine at night. I wouldn't say that's a nightly thing for me, but yeah. So I, I would say um, building's more predictable, um, but you know, building can fall off. I mean, it can fall off. You know, Fast. pretty hardcore. Yeah, and 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 that that's when I would want to be flipping. So, um, in fact, I used to have people come up to me and, oh man, we're thinking about flipping. This is just like a few years ago. We're thinking about flipping houses. And I'm like, everyone's telling me that now's the time to do it. And I said, when everyone tells you it's not the time to do it, do it. Yeah. When you go to everybody and they're like, you guys are idiots, then, then do it. But that, because it starts with buying the house right. And if everyone's right. telling you to flip I and mean, this guy sells hot tubs for a living, if they're telling you, you should get into real estate and be flipping houses. I mean, everybody knows it. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to be doing it when everyone's like, I'm not doing that. The people in real estate are getting out. That's when you flip houses, in my yeah. mind. What do you, what do you lose? The sleep? fact that you guys are doing it now with any success. I mean, this is the hardest flipping market I believe there is, um, right. personal opinion. So it's only up from here. Right. Building is, is at an all-time high, but it can go down. Okay. That's so. what we figured too, is we're like, well, if we're doing it in this market, that means like we, we do spend a stupid amount of marketing and then like, you know, I have like a decent amount of sales skills because like I've did it for a while. So we try to build it up from yeah. there. But, um, uh, if you can do it now and make any sense out of it at all, I think it could get better. Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully, hopefully uh, everybody keeps telling us, like, dude, the market's going to turn, and uh, then you guys are going to be screwed. I'm like, I think we're going to do better. Well, he's kind of uh, talking about— No, no, about, no, you will do better. He's, ta- yeah, he's yeah. talking about when, like, the banks, too, were, like, kind of trying to get rid of some inventory, and uh, they were willing to take discounts on property oh, yeah. and, like, that sort of thing because— I, I used to have banks calling me. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, we yeah. got this property. We need to unload it, and here's the scenario. I mean, that, that was a common— I wouldn't say it was weekly, but it was at least monthly. I'd have one of my bankers calling, like, we got to unload this property. What can you do? And it's like that, those calls, I haven't got one of those calls in like five years. Yep. What, um, what's, what's your biggest, like, uh, like, you know, you said you're not, you're losing sleep. And I always feel like business owners always like kind of lose sleep on it. Like, uh-huh. There's always something going wrong. What is like the biggest thing that like stresses you out or like that you lose sleep over? And like, do you have anything that you do that helps you deal with it? Um, you know, I would just say for me, my wife would attest to this. I don't lose sleep over money. I mean, we lost 120 grand on a house once when I would argue we really couldn't afford to take that kind of loss. I didn't lose sleep over that. We can overcome that, you know, price of education. I don't lose sleep over that kind of stuff. I lose sleep over more just, you know, you got 
20 or 30 employees and there's this problem or that problem. And, you know, for me, it's more people because I do care more about people than I do houses. Right. Yeah, I hope we all do. But yeah. um, so for me, it's tough when there's, you know, I remember the first employee I had to let go and it was a tough that was hard on me. I mean, they've, they've been there for years and we just finally got to a point where I'm like, I'm going to have to let this person go. That weighed on me. Um, and, and some people are much better. I got one of my partners that's like, okay, come in, you're out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, much better for him. And that's great. I guess that he's able to do that, but it's like, man, I just, I know we're about to really impact this person's life. And you know, like it's that, that kind of stuff's hard on me. Gotcha. Um, I've grown in that area, but, um, I care about people and I don't want to, disappoint them, I guess. And, or, you know, dealing with hard things like that employee yep. type stuff. A lot of times. Gotcha. What do you think your biggest struggle is right now? Or like, what could you use help with or help on? Um, probably just it, it, time is, is where, and we've got good staff and good people. Um, it's hard to find good. You probably know this, but it's hard to find good contractors right now. It's hard to find, uh, um, it's not hard to find customers. Um, you asked earlier about marketing. We don't do a whole lot right now. Um, Yes, we're active on social media, but a lot less active than we used to be. In fact, I don't even handle it anymore. We have one of our employees that does it. And um, we just, yeah, we have more people than we want. Um, in fact, there was not a, there was a time about a year or two ago, John and I were like, we need to do more on social media. And I'm like, but then we're going to get more calls. Right. Like we, we don't handle we it. We can't yeah. handle it. So and, and I, it's, not in my, it's not in me to like turn down business. So it's right. also like, man, yeah, we probably shouldn't post too much. You know, like yep. weird conversations to have, but that's just kind of where the market was. Um, but time, time is one of those things that, you know, um, and, and balancing that with family and stuff too. I mean, I got three kids and you got to spend time with them. You know, my, my theory on kids, I found myself with my six year old, I think seven, seven now, but at the time he was six, I was holding him and looking at pictures of him when he was younger. And I found myself missing him while I was holding him. And I'm like, wow. what's that about? How can I miss my son when I, he's right here in my arms? Yeah. And I'm like, and I, and I think I figured this out, like. Two-year-old Jude is dead. He's gone. He, two, kids change so much. If I don't see you guys for a year, in a year, you're pretty close right. to the same person, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a two-year-old to a three-year-old, huge difference. Yeah. I will never get two-year-old Jude back. Right. I'll never get three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old. And like, you know, they change so much. And it's like, man, you got to spend time with your kids. And balancing that is hard, especially yeah. as a business owner. Like I'm, you know, you get calls or you got appointments. I work when people can work. And a lot of times that could be evenings. And it's, it's hard, but I've tried to just dedicate weekends to like, I don't work very many weekends anymore. Thankfully in this market, I don't have to, if push comes to shove, I'm willing to, but yep. um, yeah. I got a good idea, dude. You should, you guys should uh, hire a videographer and start a YouTube channel or something. You get a ton of passive income from that. And like, you guys already have the following, then it makes sense to ramp up your following. Your business is still going to go crazy. And then you could just create some kind of more residual from that. Like, I think you guys, I would watch it. We've talked about it. Um, we just haven't uh, we haven't pursued any of it. And some of it boils down to just time. Yeah. Uh, we're getting ready. We're building a huge winery up on north side of Fort Wayne. I don't know if I've told you about that no. or not. But right off of Diebold and Union Chapel. Okay. It's going to be huge. West, restaurant. I live right over there. I live off Tupac uh, and Taco. I love it because it's yeah. going to be a restaurant, winery. But we're going to have a three-way because wow. we're not that passionate about wine. So you can get beer or whatever. Yep, so that's awesome. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but Dakota's house is going to go up in value again. Yeah, exactly, it's dude. Gonna be, it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, but anyways, we start. We break ground on that like next month. So like wow. some of it just boils down to like all the irons in the fire. And like we got to really start like what do we want to do and yep. what do we not want to do? We've talked about that. Um, it's hard to know 
it's hard to know sometimes what the right course of action is. But yeah, yeah. a YouTube channel is something that's come up. But yeah, I was, I was just thinking that might create more time freedom and more income, mm-hmm. and then actually like be a reason for them to build it or whatever. Which you know, mm-hmm. I was just like, well, it might work. But yeah, yeah, I definitely think you guys could grow it more than uh, most people, especially in Fort Wayne. You know what's un- kind of unfortunate too and depressing is like social media is changing so much and like yeah we spent so much time and effort and now that the algorithms have changed it's hard to even build the following that you could 10 years ago and we spent all this time on Facebook and all this time on Instagram and now you look at like I think I saw a report the other day from like 30 year olds and under it was like Facebook and like Instagram was high but Facebook was like pretty low and it's like now we got to start a TikTok. Now we yep. got to start like all this other stuff just to remain current. And so it's kind of kind of yeah. annoying, you know. It's like, can I just transfer that over to TikTok? Yeah, you can though. That's the thing. <laughs> can like, you really? Yeah, you well, you I get a videographer that. or whatever. Then just have them clip it. Then put the clips on TikTok. People could clip this right here. Bam! They got a 10 second clip. Are you saying so we can something. start over? Go all the way back to the beginning of time flipping and yeah. <laughs> well, I got Seriously. I got at least one that I'm going to clip from this. Some stuff that you said. I was like writing notes. Like, oh, oh cool. I'm going to clip that. Okay, for yep. TikTok or something. Yeah. No, well, uh, did you do that? For, for we, Facebook and Instagram. We kind of started with Facebook or TikTok and Ryan Ryan Pineda, our business coach, says that like that's the best way to um get uh like a lot of followers because he does it. He does some dancing and he does some crazy stuff, educational yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But like uh yeah, he does it and he does he does really well and like that's how he gets so many followers, followers. very quickly. So yeah, yeah, I mean it definitely works, but I mean it does take a lot of time, dude. Sure. I was literally just making a Facebook post on this house that we flipped. Took me, I was like, dude. That took me three hours because I went in, I got the before and afters, I edited, I put that, and then and then once I got it to my phone, I was like, I edited it to where it's gonna be the right size yep. for whenever I do them. But then I, if I go individually, it's gonna add up. And then whenever I put them all together, it messed it all up. So then I had to screenshot it, dude. Yeah. I was like, I just spent three hours for one post. I was like, this is ridiculous. Oh yeah. But like, if you just hire somebody else and they're just videoing, yeah. yeah, then I think that you guys would be like, just have them follow you around with a camera. Right. Then let them do everything. You don't even need to see it, and people are just seeing what you're doing because like dude you guys are doing some huge things in town that like everybody wants to see so yeah Yeah, that's a good thought and it it is a direction we may need to pursue more yeah that'd be awesome good advice do you have anything else that you want to plug because there's that winery that you guys are coming out with are there some other things what what is the the paper mill is that oh yeah that's that's an event center downtown and Um, that's part of like one of the the cool areas too like where the buildings Mm -hmm. are on both sides what the heck is that called the landing the landing landing. yeah yeah they're kind of building that up with promenade park and everything so for fort wayne locals that are watching this what are some other things you guys have got going on some things that you want to plug some things yeah maybe social medias you want people to follow or Um, anything that you guys our home building our home building page is kind of the main thing where we put things um and uh, that's our main source of of business i guess so that's mbn properties Mm -hmm. um on facebook Facebook or Instagram. Um, and then uh, we've got our websites, mymbnhome.com, um, for if you're interested in new construction or building a house. Um, the other, you know, union12.com, that's our event center there where our office is located. Um, it's right on the Fort Wayne, um, Whitley County line, but it's on the Whitley County side. So it's a Columbia City address. Um, and then we've got the paper mill on the landing, which I think is the paper mill on the landing.com. Um, and, or it might be papermillonthelanding.com. But that's a downtown venue. That's the third floor just above the Landing Brewery. Um, and then we've got some rentals, but there's really no business to be um, talked about there. Um, those are all pretty much rented all the time. And then, um, yeah, the Vinland Reserve Winery, that's coming up. And we'll, we'll be promoting that on MBN's page too. And 
try to open that in November, December this that'd, year. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I didn't know you guys were building something. We're that going close big too. It's not. It's Dang. not a. It's not a like a steel barn that we're going to serve wine out of. It's going to be pretty awesome. Well, wow. based on everything else that you guys do, I better like put in a reservation now so I can get one by 2023. <laughs> yeah. uh, the winery will be open to the public. We were actually going to do an event center there. And then we're like, you know, this location is just too good for it to be like a private event center. Yeah, and right. so we're like, we need to do something that's open to the public. Fort, the north side of Fort Wayne needs it. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And we may, it may fail miserably, but uh, it won't. probably won't. Yeah, I hope probably won't. not, dude. They're yeah. building so much over there too. Yeah. And like, yeah, it definitely could. That'd be awesome. And there's there's a lot of money there that like you know doesn't give very much, you know. But they're yeah. definitely building it that way. So yeah, that's excited awesome. about it. So uh, one of the last questions we ask mm-hmm. is really deep. Okay. So you know, sixty years from now, you're sitting on your deathbed. <laughs> I don't think I'll be alive sixty years from now. You don't know my age, do you? Fifty. Fifty years. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, were you thirty six? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Eighty six. I, I told my wife the other day I don't plan on living long, so all right. I live so pretty hard. Twenty twenty years from now, you're just sitting on your deathbed. Yeah. It's the end of your life. Uh, you're gonna be remembered for something. There's like a saying. It could be something you would put on a billboard, like one mm-hmm. sentence one paragraph, something that was meaningful for your life, it's your legacy, uh, what would that saying be? Well, saying would be tough, but I would tell people, like I tell a lot of people, you know, uh, I said it earlier in this interview, but, you know, don't blame your resources, blame your resourcefulness. You can do a lot more than you think you can do. Act in the lifetime of an opportunity. I think that's important. You know, there's so many people that are like their jaw drops when I tell them about like Union 12 and like what you bought that and you didn't know it could be an event center and you didn't know it was zoned. And I'm like, well, we had to act now. And I'm like, yeah, you'd still be asking questions. Right. I'm still asking questions about stuff and I've owned it for five years. Like, you need to be dumb enough to act. That's the reality. I wasn't smart, but I'm dumb enough to act. And I mean, think about like I'm teaching my kid to throw a spiral right now. Like, What's the best way for him to learn to throw a spiral? Just the, want to sit and talk about it? Yeah, no. No, do it. Yep. So for me, it's it's a matter of doing and just know that you're going to fail some and be okay with that. Your kids can learn more from you from your failures than any success you've ever had. I'd rather sit here and tell you about all the lessons I've learned, and they're not from the 200 homes we flipped and made money. Um, I've learned some awesome lessons that came from unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate yeah. mistakes. So anyways, act in the lifetime of an opportunity. Um, and, and there comes a point to, you can't ask any more questions. Just do it. Um, take the risk and bet on yourself. Dude, that's funny because, uh, we were looking at this property and then we had a lot of friends I'll show it to you afterwards, but it's like this mansion they were looking at buying. And we had a lot of our friends that came with us and they were just like, Hey, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you guys think about this? Did you do this? I was like, dude, you, if we had all of them with us, I, I like kind of yeah. like freaked out and I don't, I'm like using keep my composure, especially under pressure. That was the first time when like everybody was around we're about to sign this is like the biggest property we ever bought is five hundred thousand, and yeah. so to us yeah. there's a lot of money oh that's as yeah. i was like i was like uh could everybody st-? i was like are we buying it or not because because like everybody's coming at me with all these things I was like dude i was telling tony i was like you know if we had all those people there at every property we bought we'd probably would have bought half of them yes. and we've lost money on three houses yeah. out of like you know over a hundred yes. so i'm like we'd have not bought all of them because of all the indecision and their brains making me like feel indecisive yeah yeah so it's interesting that indecisiveness is like that's not good no, I know. There's a lot of people that are way smarter than me, and they're like, I can't believe you did this, and you didn't know this, and you bought houses sight unseen, and it's like, yeah, you never would have. Yeah. And that's why those are the best margins I ever got. Yep. Because there's a lot of people like that that just don't have all the answers, so they won't do it. Yep. I have never had all the answers on the businesses that I've started. It's interesting, because they are... They you are... think I know much about the winery business? <laughs> I'm about to build one. I don't know how to make yeah. wine yet. 
You figure it out. And you know, my bankers like, well, don't you know? And you're not who are you gonna hire? And it's like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah, you will. I that's, can do it. That's a funny thing. Is like you usually do figure it out. And if you're decisive and you already say you're going to, you're gonna figure it out. If you don't think you're going to, even if you're really smart, then you're probably not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that those, wasn't really a saying. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> not a real catchy one. No, like I got I got a good one out of it. All right. So the yeah, the banker's still going to be working at the bank in 10 years, and you're still going to be building companies. Yeah, well, you know what? My, <laughs> Wait, my why are the bankers asking you guys questions if yes. you already have proof of concept multiple times? Yeah, well, I tell people all the time, my biggest fear is my own unfulfilled potential. Like, yeah. it, and I think that's a lot of people's biggest fears, but I don't want to be 50 years from now when you talked about age. I don't want to look back and say, well, I could have or I should have. Well, you said you're not going to live that long. So. Not 50, uh, 50, 50, 50. You dropped it to 50, and now I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> but, yeah, I want to make sure that I do whatever the most is that I can do. And I feel like that's partly, you know, I'm a Christian. I think that's our calling. You know, if you've got the ability, you know, um, you need to do it. So, Yep, I believe that too. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners or anything that you want to say just to I'll give finish you, it out? I'll give you a quick tip that uh, um, helped my marriage. I figured out that you could, like in 18 seconds, I can get on Amazon and have flowers sent to my house, and they'll be there tomorrow at noon. Wow. All you men should do that. Yeah. I, I never do it when day. I'm supposed to. Like, my wife does not <laughs> get flowers on her birthday or on Christmas. But, like, randomly, I'll be like, random? you know what? Like, she's been having a hard week. So I just, like, got online and, like, flowers tomorrow at noon. So, anyways. Do you guys share the Amazon account? That, there's more value in that advice. Uh, advice than you know but yeah do, do it you, do you guys share that amazon account um she may be able to jump on and see mine but i don't okay. think she does and you know what she doesn't care and you know what for all those ladies out there oh she doesn't want flowers she does no lady says that unless she's she only <laughs> says that when she's sitting next to a bouquet of flowers and aren't hers yep. send her flowers even if she says she doesn't want them she does want them she wants those flowers <laughs> that's not bad advice i mean we're, we're both divorced so you should both do it you should both do it right now you should both do it right now I know my I know my girlfriend's gonna get an email, but I guess it doesn't matter. She'll still be like, "Oh, there's flowers coming." Hey, they're actually you, you nice. I was secret. surprised. I went with the, I, go, I always go with the cheapest ones on Amazon, and they've always lasted like two weeks. And my wife loves them. But. That's because they're like partly synthetic plastic. No, they're, no, that's the thing. Like they've always been nice. They've always been nice. That's so. awesome. Flowers for delivery prime. All right. That's yep. that's funny too. Well, uh, Dakota will have to get a second separate yeah. Amazon account. She'll be like, yes. "What are you buying?" I'm be like, "Buying you flowers." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you should. Uh, cool. That's it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. It was uh, fun to talk with you and visit with you some more. Yeah. So if you guys are uh, interested in building a house, reach out to him. Also, if you're interested in learning more about real estate, remember we got the course. Uh, like, subscribe, comment. Tell us who we should have on next. See you guys. <laughs>